What's up, guys? Before we get going this evening, just want to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has been tested and refined through years of wisdom and experience and has helped Skybox propel itself to the top of the industry. You know the deal with Skybox at this point is unless you're a first-time listener. If you are, welcome. Well, check out Skybox. They have a package that will fit your price range. Hope y'all took advantage of their U.S. Open picks. They're crushing it on NASCAR right now. NFL's just around the corner. Get you a little taste of uh, some baseball, NASCAR, golf action before you dive into the NFL and college football this fall. But check them out. They've got week-long sports-centric packages, month-long sports-centric packages. You could do all sports for a month, all sports for a week. I would just recommend doing the year-long all-sports pass and riding with Skybox 365 days a year. I promise you, you'll make the money back. And then some. These guys are professionals, but they will have a package to fit your price range if you need something a little less. You can even try out a daily pass for 10 bucks. Uh, just to kind of see what the guys are about. But check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go to the store, check out the gear. I'm rocking a Skybox hat as we speak. They got pretty awesome products in there as well. So go support Skybox Sports Picks. It's a pretty good trade-off. They'll make you money while you give them less money. That seems like a pretty good deal to me. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Y'all know the deal. LB is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Go see Greg if you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, which is rippyrights.substack.com. Free newsletter you get anywhere between three to five times a week, depending on uh, news availability, that sort of thing, uh, to your inbox. Every single time it is published directly to your inbox. And you also get free meats or discounted meats, I should say. Greg's got a deal going right now for subscribers. They get a 16-ounce prime strip for $15 and then a package of sausage for five bucks. So you get a pack of sausage and a 16 ounce prime strip for 20 bucks. That's a hell of a start to your dinner. I would have a start to your weekend and one hell of a dinner. I should say, I would recommend going buying much more stuff than that. LB's university Avenue across from Kroger, best place in Mississippi to get meat. Today we have Colin Brister back on. It's a mailbag Friday. Pretty bread and butter mailbag Friday. We literally just hopped on in a kind of a truncated podcast because we both had a limited time window. Answered your questions and ended the pod. So ba- mailbag Friday, the people's holiday. Back to its roots. Celebrate accordingly. Let's go. Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Libby. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. On the other end of the line, as he always is, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us for another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. It is Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday makes their triumphant return. Uh, go quit your job. Tell your boss you can do whatever you want today. People's Holiday is back. What's up, man? Not much. Not much. It, uh, it, it, it's been a while since we've done this, for sure. Yeah, so I was giving you a full week off last week from the uh, yearly salary that I pay you, and Greg <laughs> did a Mailbag Friday with me. But that was the first traditional Mailbag Friday we had had in some time. The baseball schedule kind of messed it up, but uh, people's holiday cannot die in vain. So it's back, summertime, uh, nothing else to do. We'll print the shirts. I've been saying that for a year, which means I'll probably get on it by 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the intro that we got for our last podcast, it'll probably be, I don't know, a year and a half or so. That's right. I forgot about the intro. I kept saying it was coming. In my defense, 
that was not 100% my fault. Uh, Super Talk <laughs> had that guy on retainer, and he got lost somewhere in Western Europe for a while. And they're like, yeah, we have him in a month, but when he comes back, he'll have a sick intro for you. I was like, sweet, that sounds bulletproof. Yeah, he was just like in the Ukraine chilling for a year or so. He did send it. I got an email at like 2.30 in the morning one time. I was like, hey, man, here's who I am. Here's your intro. I was like, my man, somewhere in Yugoslavia. <laughs> so, this is a, uh, a very traditional Mailbag Friday podcast in the sense that we're in a little bit of a time crunch, so it'll be a little bit of a truncated podcast. But uh, we're just going to get after the questions and go from there. We have no show planned today. Yeah, well, it's, it's not like we, we, we usually have much of a plan anyways. That is very true. It's not like we have uh, some sort of vigorous set of show notes or anything, but uh, literally today I hit record and said, let's answer these questions and get the hell out of here. <laughs> I, think was my, uh, I think that was uh, the ready, set, break on the podcast. So, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, get, let's get going. All right, here we go. First from Paul Mahan. I've heard multiple times over the last couple of weeks and am simply too lazy to Google it. What is the scholarship limitation on Ole Miss versus LSU and others? Tough question to answer. It varies at some point, but basically LSU has kind of like a tops lottery program. Other schools have state lottery programs. Vanderbilt private school has something different, but that's even better. And Ole Miss is working with your basic 11.7. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Vanderbilt's uh, scholarships. I mean, you can fund at a private school pretty much whoever you want for whatever reason you want. Um, so, you know, the, the number they, they fund fluctuates from year to year, but uh, they don't really have to have a rhyme or reason to, to fund whoever they want. Um, public schools, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, think about it like this, LSU, uh, top program, in-state people, uh, in-state students get, you know, pretty much full tuition covered if they have like a 3-0 and like a 22 on their ACT. Well, if that's the case, then you don't have to give too much money to your in-state baseball players saving that money for out-of-state baseball players because like i said i mean your your in-state guys are usually covered by that tops program um really all they need money for is, is tuition and living um and when you take tuition out or excuse me uh living and, and books and that type of thing is all they really need money for and when you when you take tuition out of it that's a large chunk of money that you get to save out of your 11.7 that, that just doesn't happen for Ole Miss. Yeah, I was about to go down the list and say how big of a deal would that be for Ole Miss? Like, how, how nice would it be? I was about to say, have an in-state kid like Tim Elko. Because Tim Rowe, do you remember Tim Rowe was from yeah. Northern Mississippi? I have now mistaken like four or five times over the year Tim Elko being from Mississippi when he is very much, in fact, from Florida. But you get my point. It would also change the way they, they recruit a little bit. But like, you know, sure. Tim Alderman, in-state kid, Vin Van Cleve, in-state kid that's probably a little bit moot because i am fairly confident ben van cleet is not on a whole lot of a scholarship but uh that would also change i mean hayden dunhurst in-state kid plumley in-state kid that's a football guy leatherwood he's a memphis kid but that, that would yeah i'm not out. sure where leatherwood's from yeah but you're, you're exactly right it would also change the way mike recruits a little bit though no yeah absolutely absolutely i mean you you pretty much can get you know in-state guys for free at that point and then you know use your out-of-state money or use your remainder money on, on out-of-state kids it would yeah if, if Mississippi ever did that it would certainly change the game as far as how Ole Miss and state recruit and southern to that extent which is it really just kind of makes it amazing that Ole Miss and uh, state and really southern Miss to I guess a slightly lesser degree but they've been pretty damn consistent like how good and how relevant all three baseball programs are in the state with really no additional help. Because then you look at a place 
like Georgia, and it's like, how in the world do they suck? Do they just walk into work? Like, does their athletic department walk into work and get to their Monday meeting and they're like, all right, C's get degrees. Um, how can we get to an access bowl? How can we not care about baseball? And how can we not win a national championship in golf despite having like 11 tour players every year? <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I didn't know they underachieved in golf too. That's, uh, that's, that's about right though. And hoops. They don't, they suck in basketball no. and there's no yeah. reason for them to suck in basketball. They didn't make the tournament with a Kentavious Coldwell Pope. Ooh, excuse me. And weren't going to make it with Anthony Edwards. So. Like, how does – how do you – how are you as an AD, like, look at the end of the year in June and be like, damn fine year, folks. We won 10 games, <laughs> lost two in football, and the rest was just gravy. Like, that's that's unbelievable to me. But centering it back into baseball, there is no reason why they should ever suck in baseball, correct? No, no. It's – all you got to do is go over to uh, Fulton County and get a whole bunch of players, and you'll be fine. But uh, they, they, they don't make that happen. So – that was odd. That, hopefully we answered that scholarship portion of that decently well. Uh, this one I don't understand, so I'll just throw it to you. I guess Colin will have to skip the LSU series for the foreseeable future. So so I said uh, on Twitter if LSU hired Jay Johnson, I might just not watch that series because I didn't want to watch that Arizona offense against Ole Miss ever again. Oh, okay. Now I see what you're getting at. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting hire. We can just open it up a can of worms there. Because here, let's just let's piggyback this off the next question. Dan Miller asked, what kind of recruiting hill will Jay Johnson have to climb not having recruited the South before? How significant is that regional effect? And is it mitigated somewhat by the prominence of the LSU program? Uh, that was a really good question in terms yeah, of really. how you worded it. So uh, great submission there. Uh, you would know more about this than me, but I would say very minimal. Um. I'll go a little bit stronger than that. I think it matters. Um, it, he, he needs to hire good assistants. I saw uh, the name Rob Childress get thrown out. Um, I think that would be a good hire. Um, I'm interested to see what he's going to do at hitting coach. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to be some massive field to climb, but it, but it is going to matter. That's why I think it would be wise for him to, uh, to hire SEC assistants for sure. You know, it's funny, and – People can have differing opinions on this, and there's probably a question we'll get to this at the end of it uh, related to it. But it's funny you had this whole Mike Bianco, Cliff Godwin saga. Maybe they take their home run shot at Tony Vitello, but throwing Vitello out of the equation, didn't they end up with a better coach than the two they hired and the two they interviewed in Birmingham? Mm, yeah, probably. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that would be fair. The only holdup would be. Um, you know, West Coast guys have come to the Southeast before and failed. I'm, I'm sure that was a little bit of a holdup, but um, I don't think this one will. So, I think uh, I think Jay Johnson will do well at LSU for sure. Yeah, I, I just find that whole process interesting. Like, it's so funny that – like, I mean, it's, it's not to pull any similarities from their football search, but you remember when they did fire Les Miles, the uh, – the Ed interim thing versus who they wanted was a shit show, and then they somehow walked their way into a national championship out of it. Like, LSU, can they do any wrong? Like, you know, like if LSU was a person, they could shoot someone and, like, the court would be like, yeah, I shouldn't have been standing there. You're good to go. I think all that's going to come to a head here in a few months with uh, with everything that's going on down there. It has to, right? Like, Yeah. But at the same time, I mean – Will Wade is just thriving down there. Like, we keep waiting for all this stuff to happen, and it's 
It's now 2021. That FBI report, and I know there's tons of other stuff with LSU with the football program and Our Lady of the Lake and uh, whatever Ed's got going on with his his deal as well. But, like, I guess my point is, is, like, the, the FBI deal was two years ago. Like, we keep waiting on this to happen. Are we in 2026, or is it going to turn into the, you know, Egg Bowl NCAA cast message board where every time you log on to a rival message board, it says it's coming? Like, is, is that going to happen? When is this actually coming? No, no, that's a good question. I get asked that sometimes too. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – I don't know. I I feel like maybe next offseason is, is kind of when this comes to a head. But it, it, it kind of just, man, kind of just feels like that uh, they're dragging this out. Of course, the NCAA never works at, uh, never works at time warp speed for sure. And, like, I mean, if there was ever if, – if, I'm not a proponent of this. Don't like this is not me making a case for this because I think most of this stuff in terms of like getting in trouble for paying players is silly. But LSU has some pretty widespread corruption uh, in a lot of different areas. Their their portfolio is very diverse in terms yeah, of shady business. The, if, if there's ever a poster child for a lack of institutional control, well, buddy, that's it. I was going to take it a step further. I was going to say, I know they're never bringing the death penalty back, but if there was ever a case for it, I mean, SMU football has only spanned one sport. LSU has – I don't mean to, like, laugh because it, some of this is a very serious issue, not yeah. paying players and the Will Wade stuff, but, you know, some of the way they, they, they mishandled sexual assault uh, on campus as it related to football players and, you know, some Title IX stuff was really just gross and atrocious. But, like, like putting all that into context, too, like – all SMU is doing is paying football players. Like this is this is widespread. Yeah, this is it's kind of like I said with Baylor when all that happened five years ago. No, nobody actually got hurt at SMU. People got hurt here. Lives got changed here, and um, the NCAA, I'm sure, and you know all their infinite wisdom and great standing will come down and and drop the hammer on on LSU for sure. I'm I've, I've never been more sure of something that a that fine institution will do. It's like that cliched radio saying, the more LSU does, they'll just bring the hammer on C-Law or something. <laughs> yeah, McNeese State is screwed. <laughs> They're going to catch McNeese State giving their kids, like, extra burgers after games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lack of institutional control of Lake Charles. That would be the greatest PR release of all time if they slapped uh, McNeese or someone with lack of institutional control. It's like, hey, could you look to the south or the west, wherever the hell Lake Charles is? Like, come on. Um, so anyway, that was a uh, good questions uh, on both counts. Uh, so do you, we'll wrap that one up real quick. You think Jay Johnson will be successful? I thought this was a great hire for LSU. I thought it could yeah. be worse. Yeah, I think he will be. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, you know, Skip Hartman level of success, but yeah, I, I completely expect him to take LSU to Omaha a few times, and maybe win a national title for sure. You just made me think of a better question. Will it be pulmonary level of success or better? Better. Yeah, cause just because he's younger. I mean, Paul was never a young guy even when he took over. So, I think uh, I think better is going to be what I go with. If Paul wins that national title series against Florida in 2017, one, he's probably still coaching it too. Like his his entire – you know, if you get the second natty or whatever, because that was you fired that other guy in between Burtman and uh, – what was that guy's name in between Burtman Laval. and Maneri? Didn't he go to Omaha twice? Yeah, there was some personal stuff with Smoke. Fair enough, fair enough. But I, I guess what I was getting at is – like you're probably looking not that Paul Maneri had a failure at LSU. I mean, he lasted quite a long time, but
But if he gets that second national title, his his entire like tenure there, I think, is looked at in a much yeah. different light. Yes, yeah, they beat Florida in seventeen. It's a uh, it's a completely different deal at that point. Dan Miller uh, follows that up, asking this one's unrelated, but he says, "Do you think John Rice Plumley is maxed out as a baseball player? Is there still room for growth?" That's a really good question. Um, I think he's maxed out in in terms of if he doesn't play fall ball, I think this is probably as good as he can get. I, I was about to say something about maybe him improving his consistency at the plate, but you're right. If he's not in fall ball, I'm just not sure how that happens. I guess he, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll leave that open to him get better at the plate. Does he get a ton better as a fielder when you're just not putting in the time of fall ball to do it? Not that he's a bad, bad fielder because his natural athleticism covers for a lot, but like to me, there's almost an argument to be made that he could plateau there more so than anything else. Yeah, um, he's a, he's a pretty good defender, but you're right. I mean, where he struggles somewhat is angles and whatnot, and obviously not having fall ball and that type of thing is going to going to stunt that growth. And obviously, I'm not saying he should be playing baseball in the fall. That the kid's a phenomenal football player. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's probably going to be probably going to be probably as good as he gets. Um, in baseball right now with, without the opportunity to uh, to play fall ball. But, like, what he is in baseball right now is plenty serviceable serviceable to put on an SEC field, too. He'd be turned into a much better baseball player than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, because whenever yeah. I would ask him, we talked about this before, whenever I would ask, like, people coming out of high school, like, what is he? And they would be like, I don't really know. No one seemed to know what he was as a baseball player. Then you kind of saw it the first year, and you're like, gosh, should he not be over at practice trying to win this job? To his credit, he's turned into a much more consistent baseball player than I ever thought he would. I did not think yeah. he would uh, – I did not think he would be contributing fairly heavily as a defensive replacement and as a spot st- starter, a matchup starter on a super regional team. I just never saw that. Yeah, if you had told me uh, in 2020 when I saw Memphis gassing him up that he was going to start a super regional game, I would have never believed you. That's a much better way to articulate it. That's a good point. And credit to him. And not to go yeah. – I don't mean to this to crap on the kid, but I had Borky on the pod uh, yesterday, and we were talking about just some football stuff, and we were kind of poking fun at the whole national media narrative of how badly they missed the old Miss quarterback thing last year. Remember, it was yeah. kind of like, they'll be pretty dynamic with John Rice Pumley back there. And I'm like, back there where? In the slot? And, <laughs> like, you know, no one seemed to, like, understand that, no, this is Matt Corral's job to lose. Uh, what would he be in terms of, like – Ole Miss, he's got a great personality. He's a good kid. He loves the camera. I don't mean that in a bad way. The kid, no. he's 19 years old having the time of his life in college. It's like anyone that kind of gets mad at that, I think he's really just jealous of their own, own lives or maybe a little bit insecure in their own right. He's a great kid. He's a great personality. But what would he be without four months of Rich Rod? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's kind of wild to think about. Well, he would probably just be a slot receiver. Um because if he doesn't play last year or in 2019, they they probably just throw him receiver this year and say, "Hey, but uh, this is this is where your future is." But since he kind of flashed in 19 under Richrod, it kind of feels like you know, hey, he wants to play quarterback. There's there's maybe a role for him there. Kind of feels like if Richrod doesn't show up, he's already you know made the move to slot receiver. That's a good point. I like the way you spun that into blaming something else on Richrod. Yeah, I have no issue doing that. Yeah, me. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, as they say, unfairly said about my dear friend, Ryan Buchanan, Plumlee would have looked damn good holding that clipboard. <laughs> so, Ryan seemed to enjoy that more than uh, most people would. 
So people forget about this, and I'll go to bat for uh, my man Buchanan here. That uh, you know, that that job that he and Chad Kelly battled for was a much closer battle in terms of like the day to day than people want to give it credit for. It was not a given that Chad Kelly was the starter from day one. Remember, there was like a little bit of thought that they might split some time in the first game. Uh, and Buchanan was in that race. Now, Chad Kelly turned out to be an absolutely dynamic player. I'm not making the, a, the Ryan Buchanan MIS is much better than Chad Kelly was. But, like, Hugh Kellenberger wrote a column arguing for Buchanan to take the keys to the Ferrari because all you have to do is not crash it and Chad Kelly will crash it. Like, that was much closer than people remember in retrospect. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, and Freeze, I don't really think Maine, but starter right up until game day. Uh, and then even then, Buchanan played a good bit against, uh, I believe it was UT Martin. So, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was that that far off of a race. But once you saw uh, Kelly throw the uh, comeback route on third and 22 against UT Martin and hit like DeMario Stringfellow going down the sideline on a dime, I was like, you know what, that guy's probably going to be it. And Buchanan might have lit up a cigarette on the sideline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. I told you, they did split time in the opener. That was when Ole Miss scored like 70 points. I couldn't remember if they actually did it, and I was too lazy to look it up in live action. But they did split time that first uh, that first game, did they not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly started, but but Buchanan and Kincaid even and came in and played some in the first half, and and then I think Kelly they they split time against Fresno the next week too, and then it was obvious by that point that Kelly needed to be the quarterback, and, and he played the entire game in the week three win over uh, Bama. What is Ole Miss's win total in football? Include the bowl game? Okay, I'll just set the over under eight and a half then. Ooh, that's about where I was gonna go. Um, I think the safe bet is under, but I'm not shocked at over. I mean, there, there's plenty of worlds where Ole Miss goes eight and four and wins a bowl game. Um, I think if you maybe bet actual dollars, I'd go under, but but I'm not shocked at all at nine and nine and four. Well, let's just do it right now. I know we'll probably do this again, okay. probably five times over before football season starts. Because uh, this is really all I have in my game in terms of manufactured football content where we don't really have any real content. So, it's like, let's break down the schedule. Let's just go wrap so, so cool. Before we do this, I, I don't like, like, going game by game, if you know what I mean. Like, I like grouping the games up. So, like, the non-conference games and then maybe do, like, I don't know, LSU, A&M, Bama, and then maybe, like, the rest. You see what I'm saying? Because I don't think they're going to go undefeated against the the – you know, six S or five SEC teams I didn't mention, but I don't know exactly which one's going to be the loss, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. We'll do it both ways. Let's run uh, – we'll just do non-conference real quick. So, the four games are Louisville, Austin P, Tulane, and the fighting mistakes were made. Hugh Freezes. The, uh, four and Yeah, I'm saying four and oh. I mean, really, obviously, the only one is something weird happens against Louisville. And this has no – this claim has absolutely no backing in any sort of like data or like it's really not even logic based for whatever reason to me, Ole Miss always seems to play well in these standalone games, like or the season openers at neutral sites. I know you had the Florida state debacle, but they did get 28 up 28, six in that game. They smashed Boise state. Hell Matt Luke kind of felt pretty good at it about himself after beating yeah. uh, Texas tech, like Ole Miss for whatever reason, maybe I'm just making that up seems to fare decently well in those games. So, like, your only question there is Louisville. So, I'm going to agree and go 4-0 there. Yeah, yeah, 4-0 four, four oh for sure for me. There are four October SEC games at Alabama, home versus Arkansas, at LSU – excuse me, at Tennessee, 
and home versus LSU. Sorry, they have I'll give five them. games in October, but we'll just go four for now. Okay, I'll go two and two there. I'm going to go two and two as well. Obviously, you better get that done against Arkansas, and that makes that Tennessee road game very important. Uh, you know, could they beat LSU? Sure, because I don't know what the hell LSU looks like. That actually – could you make yeah, – I, th- I think they – Than Tennessee, at Tennessee? Yeah, that's a good point. I think they went uh, – I think they went either at Tennessee or at home versus LSU for sure. Uh, I I just I have a hard time seeing three and one, and I have frankly I'll just be honest I have a hard time picking Ole Miss to beat LSU because they just kind of don't do that right now anymore. You're right, but so two and two, so that's that's six wins already, and now you're asking them to beat two of these at Auburn, at home against Texas A&M, at home against Vanderbilt, and the Egg Bowl in Starkville. Well, I, yeah, so, so I think – No, and then I think they get one more. So, maybe I'm about to change my pick. Um, it's – I guess the – yeah, I think they go two and two there with relative ease. Um, I guess the question becomes, do I think they go one and one at Tennessee and at home versus LSU? I think that's the decider between do they go seven and five, eight, four. Probably those two. They get one. The three crucial kind of swing games, and maybe you could throw Arkansas in there, but it's the LSU home game. And then what do you do on the road at Auburn and at Tennessee with two new coaches, you know? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Because you can't really lose um, at state and then at home to Vanderbilt and at home to Arkansas. And I don't think they will. I think they get one of those games. I've talked myself into going uh, eight and four in the regular season, and Ole Miss pretty much always wins bowl games. So I'll give them one there. I'll, I'll say nine. I'll say nine and four. I know we're going to sound like sunshine pumpers, but I don't really care. I, I would actually probably go looking at the schedule, you know, assuming they stay healthy, I, I think I would go over that. I mean, hell, if you had a normal non conference season last year, are they not an eight win team? They won five SEC games. One four in the bowl, but essentially it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Indiana was an SEC team for, I mean, as far as record and, and talent and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it would have been a four and four uh, league and, and, you know, probably four non conference wins. It would have been eight last year. Yeah, I'll, I'll go eight again this year. Now I've talked myself into it. So uh, eight and four for the Rebs, and then probably win the bowl game because they win bowl games. You heard it first here. We're predicting Ole Miss to make the playoff. Run with that is what you will. The Let's see. The year is 2029. You awake to find the – I don't know where this one's going. Sorry, we're just going to start this over. The year is 2029. You awake to find the paparazzi gathering outside your New York City brownstone. I actually don't even know what a brownstone is. I'm guessing that's a fancy-ass house. Let them mm-hmm. wait, you say, as you peel open another Totino's pepperoni pizza and pop it in the oven – what sequences events has led to this, and why won't Mike Bianco stop calling you? Holy shit! What part does this thing sent? Uh, no, only nine twenty-six. It looks like this man was pouring the stiffies early. Uh, All right. So, so eight years um, from now, the paparazzi is at your house, and Mike Bianco won't quit calling. Well, the only reason Mike Bianco would not quit calling us is something that we posted online. So. That would be the only reason. And even then, they're like, Sims is going to call, right? So, I don't know. I don't know what situation leads to Mike Bianco calling us incessantly. I'll go – I'll walk down this road. I've become a millionaire. I wrote a book. Um, 
this podcast, we, we take the money to fund the book and this podcast becomes like uh, part of my take ad revenue. So we're just reading. You wrote a Mike Bianco biography. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So we could go with that. So we get rich off of that. I in my spare time because I'm a kind citizen to call up Kyle Campbell and say, Hey, I'm rich. I have a business card with my name only on it. Uh, like I have that kind of F you money. Uh, I would like to do some freelance work for you guys' website for free. You could thank me later. And then Kyle's probably like, Hmm, I don't know how good a deal this is for me. And then says yes. And then, Mike then you announced the pitching rotation. Yeah, then Mike Bianco is incessantly calling me for uh, projecting the pitching rotation on the website, which he thinks is a media release. It's almost like that may not have happened before in the second part. Not the book and making millions of dollars. No, well, I let the people decide. Which part do you think has actually happened before? Mike <laughs> Bianco screaming at me over a pitching rotation thing or me being already a millionaire based off a book I wrote? I like how uh, Mike decided pretty much in January what the pitching rotation was going to be and then february 13th you get a phone call yelling at you yes it was 28 that pitching rotation was the most obvious thing ever besides i guess this year so that was etheridge no that was uh macarthur that was rollis and Fogel macarthur yeah you're exactly right and uh yeah but you know apparently apparently it was just just absolute god <laughs> absolute just a cardinal sin to project that after his SID asked me to uh, on the internet. So uh, I think most of our longtime listeners have probably heard this story. If you're a new one, we probably just don't need to revisit that today because we're in a time crunch. But uh, I'll let you decide, the listener, which one of those has happened before. Um, and don't ask me for a pay stub. Let's see. <laughs> oh, man. At least you didn't screw the uh, Parker Christie story up like he accused you of doing. Or that almost accused you. Yeah, so that's so that's what he used to jump down my throat, and then that turned out to be like they're like kind of like one of the stories of the year in terms of like what you hand the uh, what you hand the TV broadcasters and such. And like I even think he like you know he's he's good friends with Ben McDonald, uh, and Mike tweeted me one time, but that was over the Ortega story, and yeah. he didn't tweet at me. He said go read this at and then added my Twitter handle as if I'm the website. Um, so he got close. But like Mike was started like kept retweeting that article and then he retweeted like Ben McDonald shared it and was like, What a great story. And I was like, Really now? But like, that's what that's what we're calling it these days. Cause I seem to remember the interview and me having to do this story without you uh going a little differently, guy. So anyway. Seems a little personal. Yeah, you're gonna get me heated on a Friday morning. Uh, he was just using that to yell at me for something he'd been just been stewing over for two weeks, which is Mike Bianco to a T. Anyway, moving on. What roster revisions does Ole Miss basketball have a reasonable chance to get two-ish games better this season on the right side of the bubble? I think they already done it. They added Jamie and Brakefield. They added um, – shoot, now I'm going blank on them. I, I, in short, I think they've already done it. I think they will be better. Yeah, they've added Brakefield, who, who is going to obviously have to help immediately. Um, Sean Ruffin's going to have to be a stud pretty much immediately. Um I hope Grant Slayton can make a three, and then, you know, hopefully Jarkel Joyner shoots the basketball better than what he did last year from three. Um, I think this is another bubble um, NCAA team, but maybe a little bit better and maybe in the tournament this year. Yes, that's a – well, so I think one you left out there, I know it's probably just an oversight, 
uh, Matthew Morell needs to take a big jump because yeah. he's a highly recruited kid that kind of needs to give them more offensively. I think he's going to have to give them more offensively. And honestly, I think he will. There's a big like, – like, you know, college basketball is hard to adjust to. People just tend to think that this is uh, something that um, – you know, you're a highly rated recruit. You come in, you have success immediately. That's not how the sport works. There's an adjustment to be made, and I think he makes it. Nasir Brooks, the transfer from Miami that they got as a rim protector, I think will contribute as well. Not much of an offensive threat, but that was the other transfer I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. Ty Fagan, kid from Georgia, but I have no idea what he is. I didn't understand that when they got him. Yeah, he can't shoot, um, or he didn't shoot well at Georgia. So uh, they're, they're going to have to be – they're going to have to get a lot better some guys in the front court, though. If uh, they want to be successful, I mean, Sammy Hunter showed some flashes last year of, of being the type of player that they thought he would be. Um, that's Sarah Brooks, like you said, the kid coming in from uh, from Miami, and then you know uh, Robert Allen showed some flashes at times last year. They're, they're going to have to get some production out of the front court that they didn't get at times last year. Yeah, they are, and then I think it'll help a little bit because Luis Rodriguez is such a versatile defender and. He could yeah. survive in the post for very short stretches, but they had to play. They he had to defend the post in longer stretches last year than they wanted to, just because of their lack of depth down there. But you're right. But at the same time, you don't bring in Breakfield and Nasir Brooks to develop them. They're here to contribute and help immediately, and that's kind of, you know, I guess if you're if you're kind of trying to put, I guess what I'm what am I trying to say here? We've been fooled for like three to four years now, whether mm-hmm. it's the very end of AK or the very beginning of Kermit. I know Kermit made the NCAA tournament his first year, but that was a roster that was largely intact, although he should get credit for the com- contributions that Buffin and Henson made for that first year. Uh, after that, I know it kind of got a little bit weird and a little bit sideways. What I'm getting at, we've been fooled with the – they've reshaped the roster. This is an NCAA tournament team to where I'm not going to say that this year uh, in the in the lead-up to it. I'm going to have to – I want to watch 10 games of non-conference before I make any sort of determination – and that's a long-winded way of saying is Kermit's missed on some evals. And yeah. those, two, yeah, that's those two in particular, coupled with Morell and Joyner, which I think Joyner, you started to see it at the end of the year. I, I think he will be a great, a, a very good offensive player for them. The two transfers plus Morell making a jump, I, I think are probably the three biggest keys to hit or miss on the team, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, Breakfield on Brooks have to be good. And then um, Joyner has to be able to knock down threes at a consistent rate. And then, you know, uh, Morell's going to be the interesting one because he's one of the more highly recruited kids, if not the most highly recruited kid that Ole Miss has ever signed. Maybe outside of Ruffin, I'm not sure. Um, so they, they need him to be good. I, I think they need Ruffin to be good immediately, too. And that's asking a lot out of a freshman, but apparently that kid is really special. We're going to project on this in June, and then we're going to look up next year, and uh, Ty Fagan is going to be like a 38% three-point shooter and averaging like 16 a game somehow. And it's going to be like, whoa. You know what? If that happens, I think that's good for Ole Miss. I think that is a good sign for Ole Miss as well. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? We're ripping through these today. Let's see. Oh, here's a, here's a take uh, from Rhino St. Marie, and I responded to this on Twitter last night. It wasn't like a – argument per se but more so a conversation which is a wild concept you can have those on the internet if you seek them <laughs> out uh if you know th- like that guy the other day that was just being an asshole for no reason did you see this i, was I, did, I did see I, that i responded I, I shouldn't have done that but uh, this was not this this was more of just stimulating conversation off the podcast he said love the content but your take on five interviewing for the lsu job is wild 
if Kiffin interviewed for the LSU job next winter and didn't get it, you'd still welcome him back in Oxford. I don't think you can really set that precedent with precedent with an interdivision foe. Um, and I, I responded, okay, fair, but you may be mistaking my take in air quotes for what I think Keith Carter's mindset was. And I probably didn't articulate that well because I kind of wrote that in the newsletter, but on the podcast I may have translated it into my take. Who the hell knows? I don't go back and listen to these. Um, but I get both sides of that as well. I get people upset about like the, him going to interview for the LSU job. But you can't really compare it to football because it's apples to oranges. Because what if LSU got 35 scholarships here in football to 25? Would you be as mad at Kiffin? Yes, that's a that's a really good point. It's you can you can't act like in good conscience that Ole Miss and LSU are the same baseball job. You you can't really do it in football, but at least you're playing on an equal playing field. If that makes sense, um, you you can't. You can't do that in baseball. I understand the point, and I, and I certainly – I hadn't thought about this uh, – thought about the precedent thing. That's a really good point, too. But I just can't say in good faith that, that LSU baseball is not a much more inferior job than Ole Miss. And, and because of that, like, I, I have no issue if a coach wants to go. Uh, I, I would have had no issue. You know, look, it would have sucked. But had Mike Bianco made the College World Series and, and still wanted to go to LSU – I couldn't really blame him. It's just that much better of a job than Ole Miss, and that's nobody's fault. Um, but it, it's just what reality is right now. Um, I, I think there's, I think you know if, if Ole Miss is ever able to get a lottery and that type of thing, then all of a sudden that or that you know Mississippi has a lottery. But if the money starts going towards um, funding kids going to college, then that Ole Miss certainly becomes the job that that it you know compares to LSU and you, you at that point don't want someone interviewing for it but right now that's just not the case for me well and you know he mentioned setting the precedent is there a precedent to be set because like if Alabama called Mike would probably laugh he's not taking the Auburn job he's not no. taking the state job he wasn't taking any other job besides this one he probably was yeah exactly that that's kind of what I was a long-winded way of what I was getting to so, but I also understand, like, this guy, like, he, he doesn't have a bad point. So, I guess what it boils down to, my official take on the matter uh, would be, so get your pen and paper out and make me sign this afterward. I was just, to me, and this is just reading the tea leaves, that Keith Carter just said, I don't care about the optics. I'm going to handle this as kind of a, eh, if you go, okay, cool, we wish you well. If you stay, we'd love to have you because you've been consistent. And I think he put optics aside and kind of handled this from a business perspective but you also don't have to agree with the way he handled it. If you're mad that sure. he let a head coach go, inter, sitting head coach go interview at a division rival, you're not wrong for being mad about it. I think it's just two different ways of looking at it. And I see both sides. I was just kind of playing out what I think Keith Carter saw, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's completely fair. I mean, you know, I don't think Keith was going to, you know, burn down the bushes to keep Mike, but I do think at the end of the day, he preferred to keep his baseball coach and it worked out that way. But, you know, I think Keith realized if, if the worst thing I have to do this year is hire a baseball coach, then, then I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah, you're exactly right. So anyway, I appreciate the feedback, man. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation, right? Like he, it's, it's, and it's not for nothing. You know, Mike's already kind of got the fan base up, up upset the upset the upset part of it will fade he's got them bordering on apathy and he's got them restless because of how stale the product is but it's almost like a fracture within the fracture like he's kind of split them on you know I don't really care that he interviewed for the LSU job and you know to hell with this guy like this is unforgivable and both sides are not unreasonable as I keep saying but it's, it's interesting 
you know, he's already kind of got the fan base split. And it seems like even amongst his detractors and both amongst his supporters, he's kind of split them further to some degree. I don't know if that'll end up mattering in the slightest, but it, it, it's almost like another divide, I guess. Yeah, no, that's certainly fair. Kind of feels like it's getting more and more like AK. Like you have the people on his side and you have the people against him and those people aren't budging. So, uh, tw- <laughs> 2022, they should have one hell of a February. Oh, uh, let's see. You know, I tried to count. I tried to start calling him Mr. February and it, it never stuck. <laughs> Mike is very good in February. I wonder what his February record is. I bet Sims has that. I bet he probably wouldn't give it to you because he knows what you're asking it for. Oh, he would not answer my text if I asked that. I'm just saying he, it's probably available. Let's see. Have you ever said just the tip while being tested for COVID? Did you ever do a COVID test? Yes, once, where I went to a dinner with a group of folks in December. Um, and I wasn't, like, reckless about this whole COVID thing. But we went for like a buddy's birthday, I think, or something. And it was only like eight or nine of us. Everyone at the table supposedly got COVID except me. But I somehow felt like crap for three days. And they stuck that tube up my nose. And they're like, no, nah, you're good, man. This is probably just a cold. And I was like, I have every symptom in the book. And everyone I ate dinner with has COVID. But you're telling me I'm, I'm cool? I, I'm not sure I buy this. So, yes. I You probably had it. And it probably just hadn't developed yet. I took two. I went back again. Oh. So sometimes, it, yeah, I went back again, and they're like, no, no man, you're good. So, oh, well, maybe you didn't have it. No, I'm not a denier. I, I think the testing in that stuff is very flawed, like, because maybe, maybe they are right. Maybe I'm just a dumb-brained idiot, and I don't, I, you know, I clearly don't have a medical degree. I just pretended to have one on radio for a while. But you, I guess I'm not crazy for that making me skeptical of the testing process with false positives and false negatives and all that, because no. right? that made no sense to me. Um, no, that, that is kind of wild. I had crap. I guess I had three of them. Uh, um, I had a family member that, that I was staying with, get it. So I went and made sure I didn't have it. And I didn't. And then second time I had a kid in my class that sat right by my desk, have it. So I needed to get it. So I didn't get quarantined, I guess. And then the third time I went and got it, I, uh, I had it. So that was a fun experience. I, I, I know they had to do it. I hate that COVID test because that goes almost into your brain, it feels like. Um, so the, the time I had COVID, I'm like, let's just quit wasting our time. You can tell me I have it. I can't taste the orange I ate. That's why I'm here. They're like, no, we still have to do the test. Okay. I promise we're wasting our time. Yeah, I hated that COVID test too. I have a general rule that uh, like most of my body cavities are exit only other than food. And uh, that man, that thing just uh, that that guy just shoving that thing up my nose to where it felt like he was touching the center of my brain because I wanted to be like it's pretty huge, isn't it, man? Uh, I like, it didn't it didn't it didn't feel great. Like I, I didn't enjoy that. As far as this man's question, have I ever said just the tip? Um, no, no. But the job I currently work, one of the social media things they have is Tip Tuesday, and twelve-year-old uh, me may or may not have sent some snaps based off of that. Oh no. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't resist. I'm bored at my desk, and I'm sitting there with a hashtag Tip Tuesday. What do you expect me to do, be a grown-up? <laughs> Goodness. So, anyway, let's see. Ask Colin if he knows what's in the mail today. I have. That, that was a joke by my buddy. Uh, we can skip that one. Oh, okay. What did you get in the mail? It, not, nothing. Like, just, just click the, the tweet thread, and you'll see what the joke was. Oh, okay. Um. I maybe thought he may maybe say you know they have that website now where you can send poop in the mail. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard about that. <laughs> we actually looked into that. I don't remember. I think we had a teacher we hated and I was like, I'm gonna look up this guy's address. Uh, pretty quality product they got over there. There's like all that like you can pick through different types and strands. Um, I had a, I had a buddy, uh, send his ex-girlfriend that cheated on him. Well, crap. And, uh, send it to her house like once a week. Wow. So this man sounds like he's a customer. It's called poopsenders.com. They're not yet a sponsor of this show, but I was like, Jesus, is this a, is this a joke website or a dispensary? How many strands of this do you have? Um, <laughs> I so how do you uh, collect? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where do you get your inventory, sir? Um, so, <laughs> anyway, this podcast is going off the rails. So anyway, yes, I have made in, in immature jokes, but not in a, not in that regard. We have two more questions to get to. Actually, two good ones from a buddy of mine who uh, usually has weak mailbag questions. So uh, thanks for finally paying your way on this show, pal. You know who you are. Um, rank the SEC jobs 1 to 14. Really just interested to see where Ole Miss falls in y'all's opinion. Baseball or football? Where, where are we? Oh, he's going football. He's uh, Excuse me. Sorry. He's going baseball. This is uh, off the Panko discussion. All right. Um, I can do the first two real easy. Uh, Vanderbilt, LSU, then Florida. Why do better than Georgia? Just because I think it's easier to recruit nationally there. Fair enough. I don't disagree. I was just curious to your reason. Go ahead. Um, I'll go – oh, that one's tough. Vandy, LSU, I guess I'll go Georgia, Florida after that. Um, five's going to be tough. Um. It's got to be Arkansas, right? Because they do get the bordering. Yeah. Deal. Yeah, I'm going to go Arkansas after that for sure. Um, I'm trying to think about what's out east. I mean, the bottom two for me are Kentucky and Missouri. I think that's 13 and 14. Um, and then Alabama, Auburn. I, I like Alabama a little bit better than Auburn. So, I'll go 11 Alabama, 12 Auburn, 13 Kentucky. Kentucky, 14, Missouri. So now I've got to get six through 10. Um, 10, if, you, if you're ranking Alabama and Auburn uh, behind them as worst jobs, then 10 absolutely has to be Tennessee, right? I know what Vitello is doing, but that's yeah. a really, really tough job. And you can make an argument, and I know we're just fleshing this out and I didn't give you any time to prepare, but you can also make an argument. Those are worse jobs in Alabama and Auburn, could you not? Um. Those are worse jobs. That is a worse job being Tennessee. Just because, I don't yeah. know, neighboring state with Vanderbilt, kind of, you know, weird recruiting footprint to some degree. Yeah, that's a really good point. They do have a little bit more money. Um, I'll put I'll put Tennessee there just because they have a little bit more money. Um, I'll put them over those two. So, uh, I have Tennessee at 10. So, now it's six through nine with South Carolina, Ole Miss, A&M, and State. I'm going to go A&M. State, Ole Miss. No, I'm going to go A&M, State, South Carolina, Ole Miss. Okay, you had me until you just flipped to South Carolina. That's probably exactly what I would have gone. You could make an argument if you want to put Florida three, Georgia four, okay. I would actually sure. probably tend to agree with you more. Um, honestly, there's an argument, like I, kept, like I mentioned a second ago, that you could put Tennessee 12 behind Auburn and Alabama, but I don't really have a, like I don't have a way to argue that like definitively, right? Like you're kind of splitting hairs there. Definitely Kentucky, Missouri, the closest. So we basically had the same. Why South Carolina over Ole Miss? I don't. I mean, that's no no real reason. I just South Carolina's won national titles and um, think it's think that matters. Um, no real particular reason. 
I would have, and then people may have questions about this. I think Mississippi State, um, and good for them, operates on a little bit more money than Ole Miss, not extravagant or anything, but I do think they have a little bit more money than Ole Miss. Um, that is not the reason they've made the College World Series three times in a row, and Ole Miss hasn't. Don't don't accuse me of saying that, but I do think Mississippi State's a pretty clearly a, probably a better job than Ole Miss. And then it's South Carolina, Ole Miss, and you could really go either way there. Um, I just I went South Carolina because of the national titles. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of weird that that programs, you know, they had the fall, and I know they're kind of back on the rise, right? They they were a host. Their their stadium hosted a regional. I know they weren't a host, but they were a pretty decent baseball team this year after kind of falling back. But, like, the, I guess what I'm getting at is their national titles seem, like, so much longer ago than what? How long ago? Basically a decade? Yeah, it was literally 10 years ago. They played for it in 12, got beat, and then they won it in 10 and 11. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, yeah, but I, you're right. I, I guess I just hadn't thought about that. And then the state thing is actually something Borky and I talked about on the last podcast. Uh, and I think you articulated that pretty well. It's State is a better job. It's splitting hairs, right? Like, they do operate, seem to operate on a little bit more money. Um, they do have more history and tradition. I don't think that's uh, – no. I don't think that's disputable. And it's also not a huge factor, but it does make a difference, right? Like, you, you know, you've got the – look, for whatever you want to say about Mississippi State, pretty sick ballpark. You know, they have the more Omaha history. But with that being said, your caveat was important. That's not why they've been more successful than Ole Miss of late. That is not no reason about that at all. But if you're ranking the jobs and you're really splitting the hairs, you have to put State ahead if you're talking about it objectively. But State being seven and Ole Miss being eight or wherever the hell we just put them in those power rankings that we did out of order is is not why they've been to Omaha three times in a row and Ole Miss can't get over the hump. Like that, that, that you know, one plus one does not equal three. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's people. So many times when you talk about statement a better job than Ole Miss, it's like, well, Ole Miss would have been to Omaha. Yeah, I agree. I don't, you know, I don't disagree at all. It's just that, you know, if if I'm a coach and I'm offered the Ole Miss job or the Mississippi State job, I'm taking the Mississippi State job if I have no emotional attachment. Yep, I, uh, you're exactly right on that. So anyway, so Ole Miss is what the eighth best job in the SEC. That's kind eighth of or ninth, yeah. That's kind of an argument the Bianco supporters make, like, in terms of, like, kind of – it's funny watching – like, I've, I've watched a couple of these arguments play out really over the years, but it's really come to the forefront on text threads and stuff over the last month or so. And that's kind of what, uh, like, the, the, the anti-Bianco will come in with some flamethrower of a take. And, and the counter take to that in order to just douse the flames is, well, Ole Miss is the eighth best job. And while probably what the anti-Bianco guy said is true in a sense – and it is true in a sense that Ole Miss is the eighth best job. Neither one of them are like great, the greatest points. Like Ole Miss being the eighth best job speaks to the consistency Mike Bianco has built as a program. It does not speak to the postseason failure. No. So it's a, it's it's such a complex thing when you when you talk about this program, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to talk about it for what six months, eight months now, because that that conversation that was part of the reason honest to god that i was kind of i didn't necessarily want mike to leave but one of the things i thought about i was like if he does leave at least i don't have to talk about if you know he should be fired after every time he loses a game you're exactly right then there's a there's a lot of truth to that because i'm not like i I say this every podcast and it probably gets annoying but like obviously i am not on the beat anymore i am not covering it day to day but even just being a year removed from it when all this happened i kind of had the same thought of like 
if I was still working there, you know, I don't really have actual opinions on the matter, but like, it would kind of be nice to have something fresh to, to cover in like the regular season and the, the buildup to, to, I was going to say matter. It obviously matters. Like people listen to this podcast a bunch during baseball season. I don't think that's an accident that the Sunday night show after the series was the most listened to episodes we did. It still matters. But the, the overall devaluation and the slog of the regular season because it's postseason or bust has kind of gotten tiresome from a storyline and a coverage standpoint. And I had the same thought of like, it'd kind of be nice to have something new and to, I guess, kind of talk about February mattering a hell of a lot more with a new guy, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my whole thing. It was, well, if he leaves, I don't have to have 18 text messages saying to fire him and son every time he loses eight to one to Georgia. Yeah, or a Sunday game at A&M, right? It's like fire him right now. It's like, ah, oh, it's April. Um, <laughs> but that really – that's been a thing for a half decade now. Yeah, pretty so, much. I mean, he got like a four-year grace period after Omaha. Really, the Black Monday brought this – the Black Monday expedited the process at 18. From yeah, on, I, I had an interesting question asked to me that I now thought about. How different – and I don't know if it's different, but I, but I think it's important – how different is it if they win that Monday night game against Tennessee Tech but lose the Super Regional to Texas the following week? So they would have lost three Supers in a row at that point. Ooh. I'm not totally sure it's that much different. No, because just, this is going to sound stupid, but like when we, when – if I we go on to Rebel Grove today and parse through the Bianco threads of the last month, is anyone still hollering about Texas Tech on Tennessee Tech, excuse me, on the surface? Or are they mad about Arizona and Arkansas and just the one in twenty one? Like it contributes to the one in twenty one, but no one's saying, like, look at this idiot for not getting through the the twenty eighteen regional. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not an arguing point on its own. So I tend to agree with you. It's probably different. Because he would have a little bit more ground to stand on to. Hey, he's won. Th- he's gotten to three straight supers. That's kind of the gauge of program's consistency. You know, he has one less home regional loss off his back because that was back-to-back home regionals lost, the 16 and the 18 regional. Uh-huh. But in the grand scheme of things, I think I agree with you. I- I'm not sure it's that much different. It- it's-, it's-, it's slight difference, which is kind of weird to say because he did call that the worst day of his professional life. And it turns out in the grand scheme of things – has it mattered a ton on its own? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I talked about that with a buddy yesterday. And it's like, you know, what if he loses a game three to Texas? And I don't necessarily think we're having that much different of a conversation at this point. No, I think you're right. And uh, last mailbag question. Now, here, here's what I will say just real quick on that. Yeah, go if ahead. They don't lose, if they don't lose to Tennessee Tech, I think 2019 goes a lot better. Yes, because – no, that is a great point. I'm glad you said that because that hangover, that fog, the like, I, almost, I called it brain fog. I called it a hangover. I wrote so many different things about that through that 2019 season. The that team was just not right. Some days they were because yeah. you know they were look like the best team in the country. Some days and then other days it's like, did these guys want to show up to the ballpark? And I swear, whether Kessinger or Dillard or any of those guys, they're all great dudes. Whether any of them would ever admit to that would be interesting to me, like five years down the road. You don't even have to go the truth serum route. I just wonder if I ran into Greg Kessinger, like, at a bar, and he's sitting there drinking a beer, and I was like, hey, like, 
shoot it to me straight. Like, were there days after that 18 deal where you showed up to a, you know, a Saturday game against Georgia or something in March? So you're just like, we have to do this today. Now, do we, that, that's a little strong. Did it feel monotonous? Like, do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. That, this, is the, this is the team now. Like, think about this. In a four-week span, um, went to Columbia, Missouri, and lost a series. Went to Fayetteville, won a series. Went home and swept Florida. Then the next week at home, lost a series to a bad Kentucky team. Think about that. Think about that four-week window. Do you remember what was in between? The Florida sweep and whatever happened the week before. It's my favorite game of all time. Oh, is that North Alabama? Hell, yes, it was. And they got their revenge. <laughs> uh, Called some right. Tim that, Elko, unfortunately. A, yeah, uh, yeah, that is true. That's uh, But the, you're right. That kind of – if you go back and look at that 2019 schedule, that four-week stretch is kind of a perfect encapsulation of it, and that probably speaks to your point. If 18 doesn't happen, that team's not nearly as bipolar in 19, and they probably play home baseball in Oxford the second week instead of Fayetteville. That's probably yeah. the gripe with that team. That was always my gripe with Mike um, in 19 was this team had no business having to go on the road and play a better Arkansas team. Yep, you are totally right about that. Because um, you can't fault him on the surface for going to Arkansas and losing because yeah. Arkansas was better than them. But you're right. They shouldn't have been playing Arkansas. And, and this been. year, I can't fault them for having to go to Arizona. I thought that was about as good as they could do. Yeah, that's the weird part in all this. And I know we've talked about it kind of almost ad nauseum uh, just over the last, like, month or so. But this it's kind of weird. Like, this was one of his best coaching jobs, sans two decisions on two Sunday games. And this team certainly maxed it out. That kind of also is intertwined to what you're talking about in the whole Bianco argument. No one wants to hear that shit after 21 years. Like, yes, yep. he backs out this is a good coaching job, but that, that, doesn't serve, that doesn't do it for people anymore. Like, you know, from nope. covering it standpoint, it's like, okay, this guy did a good job. But, if, you know, if you've been a fan of Ole Miss baseball for 21 years, you're probably tired of hearing that. Yep, and I completely understand. Sure. So, last one before we get out of here today is a, another baseball one, the last one from my buddy. Do you think Ole Miss is, has over-invested in baseball? Bianco's salary and we pump money into a sport. This is his question, by the way. Bianco's salary and we pump money into a sport that we do not have any specific advantages, particularly pertaining to scholarships or a fertile recruiting base. And while it's a top 20 job it, in the nation, it may be fourth or fifth in its division. So I have thought about this before. Um, when, when you say over-invest, I've thought, you know, I think there is a case to be made that, that you, that almost spends too much money on baseball. My rebuttal to that is two things. You can't go back now. Like what, what are you, you, I mean, you can't, you know, take layers off of Swayze. The stadium's too nice, um, you know, to, to ever say, oh, can't, can't invest in baseball. And two, at the end of the day, they make money. Like, it's not like they're losing money. Um, so if you underinvest in it, do you then become – does it become where you lose money? Um, because, you know, fans maybe don't show up or whatever. I think that's the debate that, that people have is would people show up if the team still isn't good? And, and I think it's a fair debate. Um, my, my only hesitation with do they overinvest is what happens if they underinvest and do they start losing money at that point? For sure. I don't have a ton to add to that. Both of you, both of the mailbag submitter made a pretty good argument in his own question. And then your rebuttal, I thought was pretty, pretty damn solid as well. I don't have a ton to add. The only thing I will say is probably 
if you want to go like the investment route, the way Ross structured Mike's contract with the bonuses to let it get to where it is today in the amount of time that it got there was probably pretty silly in high. Um, But like you mentioned, as far as investing in the facilities and all of that, like you said, you can't go back and, you know, they aren't losing money at it and they do make a little bit of money. And so in college baseball, that's huge because every, you know, most schools are losing money hand over fist with it. So I guess there's an argument to be made. They, they over-invested to some degree because like he mentioned, it's a top 20 job, but it's fourth or fifth in its own division as we just outlined in his first question. And we, and Ole Miss doesn't have any scholarship advantages. Uh, so I see both sides of that. I don't necessarily agree in total, but if you want to have something to point to, I could get behind the Bianco makes too much money train. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that's what so, – so I'm weird with coaches' salaries and whatnot. Um, if, if I root for a team, um, how much money the coach makes doesn't change what I think the program should be, if that makes sense. Like, they could pay Mike – $200,000 and I would think oh this is what he should do with this program and these resources and this I can pay Mike 2 million and I don't really change that line of thinking like the coaches and maybe I'm weird maybe I'm wrong people are free to disagree um, but how much you pay the coach does not impact what I think the program should be if that makes sense now it impacts the quality of coach you can get for sure um but you know, when you talk about a guy that's been 21 years, they could they could cut Mike's pay by 600,000 or give him 500,000 dollar you know raise, and I would still think, all right, this is this is what the standard for the program should be. Yep, I uh, I honestly don't have a lot to add to that. I I agree, and uh, so if you want to go the over investing route, it's definitely Mike's. Uh, you can point to his salary and the bonuses that Keith kind of quelled, and he doesn't get a ton of credit for that. But uh, he he stopped the bonus train last year or whenever yeah. they extended him, which is kind of an underrated factor in all this. But uh, that's our show. That's all the mailbag questions. I appreciate everyone participating in the People's Holiday. Uh, have a great and happy Friday. I appreciate it, dude. We'll, uh, I'll give you some time off, uh, although some news is going to break or we'll have the draft or something. I say that. <laughs> Mike Bianco is going to be interested in the Arizona job. Yeah. So don't be careful. <laughs> Has Mike and Cammy been looking at properties in Tucson? Uh, we discuss. <laughs> so anyway. That's a joke. Yes, that is a joke. Please don't, please don't, please don't go to the boards on that. I, uh, I appreciate the time as always, dude. Have a good weekend. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, my man. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday with something. Everyone, have a good weekend.